Welcome to Plate Story Podcast. I'm Trista Polo from IWokeUpAwesome.com, and I am your host. In this podcast, we hear the fascinating stories behind vanity plates all around the country. Today's guest is Bruce from Wappingers Falls, New York. His license plate is BX Loves WX, and it's not what you think. Here's a hint. You may see him on the road, or you may see him up in the sky. Let's hear his story. Hey, Bruce, welcome to Plate Story Podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah, now I'm here with Bruce. He is a Hudson Valley resident, and his plate is very intriguing. It's B-X-L-U-V-S-W-X. And I actually saw it at a party that we were both in attendance last weekend. And, you know, when I read it, I'm like, who's W-X? Because probably B-X, I knew your first name, that's Bruce. But who do you love? Who's W-X? So, Bruce, tell us about your plate. W-X is an abbreviation for weather. W-X is used in, in various areas to, dis- to determine what uh, weather would be as, a, as an abbreviation. It's been around a long time. So the plate is BX me loves weather. So Bruce loves the weather. Yes. Well, that's definitely pr- not what I would have guessed it meant. So tell us why you chose that plate. What's the story behind it? Okay, well, it's, it's true. Um, uh, the, most people don't think that's what it means. They think it's my name and somebody I'm either married to, associated with, or related to. So it, I get it gets an interesting number of questions. It 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 it, it stems from two things. First, um, I, I did a lot of work with meteorology uh, when I was younger, um, either from a, um, a study standpoint in terms of taking courses, or from a amateur standpoint in terms of dealing with the weather. And uh, I'm also a, a pilot, and uh, of course, one of the things that you have to be concerned about a lot is is dealing with the weather. So it it fits in both. Both categories, I guess. Now, you're not a meteorologist professionally. You're actually in the mortgage industry, right? Yes, I'm a reverse mortgage specialist. That's what I do for a living. Awesome. So how, why didn't you pursue meteorology as a profession? Is there a reason that you went another way? No, not, ne- not, not necessarily. I was, uh, I was doing it as uh, courses along with my other courses. I, I, my profession for myself was I was a school teacher and an administrator. So ah. uh, for over 30 years. So that that's, this is a second career for me. Oh, wow. Okay, great. And um, you said you're also a pilot. Do you do that professionally or recreationally? No, rec- recreationally. I have a, I have a commercial certificate, but I fly uh, recreationally and I do um, uh, flights for various uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, angel flights, uh, animal rescues, those, those type of things. So, but I don't. I don't fly professionally. No. Okay, got it. So you fly for fun and to get yourself places, and then also to uh, help out some nonprofits. I'd love to hear a little more about that. Can you tell me a little more about the organizations you support with your with flying? Yeah. Well, basically, uh, the nonprofits are uh, Patient Airless Services. There's Angel Flight Northeast and Angel Flight East, which deals with taking patients uh, or families to uh, various. Uh, facilities in which they are getting medical treatment and um, they either don't have or can't afford uh, commercial flights or the patient is not allowed to fly on a commercial aircraft uh, with other people because it's a closed environment. So uh, we help them out with that. And of course, the, the animal rescues are, are mostly puppies and kittens and 
sometimes turtles and sometimes other animals that uh, we rescue. A lot of uh, rescue flights are from kill shelters in the southern and southeastern United States up into the northeast. For And these, these animals are up for adoption at various agencies here in the northeast. And then for fun. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful work that you're doing. Um, I can tell you my dog was rescued from a kill shelter. She was brought up by van and uh, ended up being fostered. And then we adopted her from there. So... I definitely have a soft spot for uh, for that conversation, but I didn't realize that there were angel flights for patients, their family. I assumed you had to go through your insurance, you had to pay out of pocket, and it could only be done through hospitals. How does that work? Well, um, it, it's a, it, these agencies are online organizations that uh, link um, patients or families in need of transportation with pilots who are vetted. Uh, sign up with these organizations, you get vetted. I mean, it's not, you can't just pick up the phone and say, I'm going to do this. You have to go through a process of, you have to have enough experience. You have to have recency of experience. You have to have certain uh, ratings uh, for some of the organizations required to be an instrument rated pilot. You have to have a certain number of hours that you've flown. You have to have an aircraft that's capable of uh, carrying X number of passengers. And um, uh, the passengers sign, it's wavered. Um, the insurance The insurance indemnifies you from the agency that you're flying for, you know, and of course, any everything we do is, is safety oriented more than anything else, way more than anything else. Yeah, sure. We have the right to not fly uh, if we believe that the situation is going to be anything less than uh, safe for both the passengers, the pilots and the folks on the ground families. Sure, absolutely. I mean, certainly that's super important when you're talking about flight is the safety. My husband, Russell, as you know, is a student pilot. And when he first started, because I know him as a sailor, and I know he tends to sail into the hurricane, I was like, I'm never getting on a plane with you. But the more I hear about what he's learning, it's all about safety. Safety first, safety protocols, safety checklists. I mean, safety first. Yeah, absolutely. Key, number one. Number one issue. Yeah. Now, um, because I could imagine this patient transport service being a not very well-known thing, but something that some people could really take advantage of. Could you share some of the actual websites where people could go look more into this if they could use that kind of service? Well, basically, if people search for, you know, just if they search, anybody can go in and search Angel Flight East, Angel Flight Northeast, or Patient Airlift Services. Just go on the internet, Google, Google it, as I say, and just go on take a look and you'll find all of these different agencies that work with, uh, that work with uh, these nonprofits and provide this uh, service that the voluntary pilots provide the service. Well, that's great. And thank you so much for all of the support you give through being a pilot, both for rescue animals, as well as patients and the other things you do to support the community. Mm. Now, uh, we'll, we'll ask you for a little advice. If there's anybody listening who would be interested in taking up flying as a pastime or a profession, where would you recommend they start? At their local airport. Uh, look for an airport that's local to them and see if there's flight instruction given at, the, at that field and then follow up there. Um, there's a, uh, there's a, a group called AOPA, um, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, which has list, lists and references of flight schools that are available. That's, about it. That's, that's the best place to go. You know, start local and go from there. That's great. Now, for young people who are considering um, doing this as a career, this is probably the best time in the last 50 years to consider becoming a, uh, a commercial uh, pilot in airline if you want to go into airline work uh, because the need for uh, 
the need for crew is uh, is skyrocketing right now because it's really crew is aging out and the number of aircraft that are flying are, are increased and uh, there's a lot of opportunity. If I was younger, I'd do it, but um, um, in fact, right now I'm above the age of retirement for uh, um, for airline pilots, so that, that that world is behind me. But definitely, if you think if anybody's young people thinking about doing it, give it a try. This is the time to do it. That's great advice. I didn't realize there was a shortage of pilots. I have a couple of friends whose sons have gone to flight school to be commercial pilots, so they must have been aware of that need, but it's great that you're putting that out there as an opportunity. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for that. Now, you said people definitely ask you about your license plate, that they ask you what it means, and they assume it means that you love a spouse or a family member, etc., what mm-hmm. kinds of interactions do you get from your plate? I find well, a couple of times people uh, like pull up next to me on at a stoplight of all places and knock on their window, like lower the window, and they'll <laughs> and they'll, they'll say, "I see your license plate. What does it mean?" And I'll explain to them. They have it's totally away outside of what they thought the the plate meant. And you can have that whole conversation at a stoplight <laughs> really quickly, like yeah. within fifteen seconds. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny the way I approach identifying people for the podcast is certainly people I know, but also I, I have postcards that I'll put in a door handle. And, you know, if I see one in a parking lot or that kind of thing, it never occurred to me to try and pull up next to someone and knock on my window to get them to talk to me during a stoplight. Although I will admit I have followed a couple of cars to where they were going so that I could catch up to them when they finally did stop. Um, but I might have to start trying to network at stops, stoplights and stops. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's like you know, stop at your own risk kind of thing. You know? it's like, yeah, you know, exactly. And then you take too long, people start beeping their horn behind you and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, for sure. So, uh, no, it's interesting. It, it, it's definitely created a number of instances where people have stopped me and uh, want to know what the plate was about because they didn't never see anything like it, you know. Yeah, it's definitely so, an unusual one, for sure. It's a unique one, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely a unique uh, plate for sure. So obviously, in addition to conversations you might have at stoplights, is there anything about having that license plate that has you change the way you behave on the road now that you're a little more visible, a little less anonymous? No, I don't. I don't think so. Other than we just, other than some people stopping me. No, not really. Um, I'm pretty cautious. You know, I don't. Uh... I don't mess around on the road, you know, like I used to. And uh, it's just, I'm just, it's just neat to have it. I, I kind of react to myself walking up to the car and looking at it and saying, yeah, that, that's pretty different. I've never yeah. seen anybody with anything close to that, you know, so it's very cool. It's not my, not my only vanity plate, but I have a, I have another one on an old car that I restored that uh-huh. has uh, a vanity, you know, on it, so. Do you want to tell us about that one while we're here? <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's an old 53 Chevy and, uh, the plate is 53 forever, and um, it's a car I, I, I picked up in a, in a uh, uh, estate sale. And so they've sat in somebody's garage for 34 years. And wow. I've, I've had the car about 15, 16 years, and it's been worked on over the years. And that's a restoration car that I've had. So that plate says, you know, 53 for the year, the, um, the letter, the number four, and then the letter is EVR. So it's 53 four. EVR, so 53 forever. So. That's great. And then is that car out on the road as well? It's it's off the road. It gets stored during the wintertime. It's off the road right now. It's stored in a, in a, in a garage, and uh, it'll go back out on the road this spring. 
Okay. And then go back go off the road in, in the fall. I don't take it out in the winter. I, I don't want the salt and anything to get to it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. where where would you say you drive most? Where would we see your um, BX loves WX or fifty three forever out on the road? Uh, Hudson Valley, Eastern New York State, Connecticut, Jersey, Pennsylvania. I mean, wherever I go, I'm on the road all the time for my work. They'll see the car running around with the plate. <laughs> That's great. So we know that you're off to help someone either with your piloting or your mortgage skills when we see those cars on the road. Well, thank you. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you said that you're in reverse mortgages. I'm not sure that mm-hmm. everyone knows what that is. Can you expand what makes something a reverse mortgage versus a typical standard mortgage? Basically, it's a product aimed for the uh, senior population and it's a mortgage that allows people to take equity in their pro- in their home and not necessarily have a payment so again on a, that's, that's the elevator speech but to get details of it it's an individual by individual basis sure absolutely but it's for the specific community of uh like over 65 62 and older for the primary borrower and then you can have uh people on the loan who are younger than 62 but the primary borrower or borrowers have to be 62 Um, Because it sounds like it's a little different than like a cash out refinance where you can also access equity in your home. Right. And that it's very, very different because uh, the primary difference is you're not obligated to make payments on this program. Oh, that is different. (laughs) Yep. That's very different. Now, Bruce, what are you reading right now? Oh, boy. You know what? I haven't picked up a novel or a fiction or or a nonfiction in a long time. Most most of my reading deals with around aviation Mm -hmm. right now. Okay. So it's pretty much... Uh, so if somebody was interested in looking into or getting into piloting or somebody like my husband who's already pretty deep into it, do you have anything you recommend for their reading or are you reading mostly um, safety manuals? Mostly publications. Um, oh, okay. Uh, articles and, uh, that are publications, mostly, yeah. Okay, great. And so what do you attribute your success in life and work to? Uh, luck. <laughs> I did not expect you to say that. <laughs> you know, mostly luck, a little bit of, of effort, some some ability to stick with stuff, and uh, and and be lucky. You know? mm-hmm. Well, if you attribute your success to luck, then it must be a challenge, or maybe it's a challenge for you to stay motivated. What do you do to stay motivated day to day? I'm just busy with a thousand things at the same time. So your to do list keeps you showing up so that you can get through it. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's my own to-do list. Sometimes I get handed a to-do list, mm-hmm. as you know mm-hmm. how that works. Yeah. But yeah, no, just, just staying busy, staying, keeping going. Yeah. You know, even though I'm uh, even though I'm of retirement age, I'm nowhere near uh, retiring. That's for sure. That's great. I mean, yeah, because you said this is a second career for you in the mortgage industry, and you're still doing plenty of flying. So you definitely don't look like you're doing your retirement age uh, lying down or sitting. Yep, Absolutely. And so you're pretty active. What do you do to stay active and stay healthy? Well, I'm trying to keep myself going. You know, I try and hit the gym a couple of times a week. And uh, I'm uh, dealing with, um, you know, keeping myself in whatever decent shape or close to the, not close to it that I can. So, uh, you know, trying to stay ahead of the, ahead of the curve. Mm, that's great. Literally and, and literally and figuratively. <laughs> Absolutely. And the figuratively, you know, I, one of my other questions is what do you do to stay mindful? You know, you've got to keep pretty sharp and pretty stress-free if you're putting yourself and other people's lives in your hands in a plane. So what do you do to stay mindful and 
stay focused mentally? Uh, well, flying is, you know, do, doing what I do, of course, working with numbers, working with people in terms of uh, meeting folks face to face, just the, the, the need to keep proficiency and then your skill level. It, it's a lot. It's uh, it's 80 percent brain power. And uh, you just have to, and you have to understand your limitations. I think that's really important. You got, you got to know where your limits are, and you have to work up to your limit, and then understand that uh, that that's where you have to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. I've I've really enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about your plate and the story behind it, and of course the things that you do to support and impact your community in a positive way. What's one question you'd like to ask me? We'll turn the tables. Well, first, thank you very much. I appreciate it, as you know. Um, how many plates have you exposed? That's my question. Well, this is actually, that's a great question. This is a very new f- podcast for me. So I am right now at the time of this recording, I am still collecting interviews and preparing for the official launch okay. so far. I think I have interviewed about five plate owners and I have about two or three more on the books. I hope it expands and gets really busy. And if you need any help with it, just let me know. I'll be happy to help out. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on my Plate Story podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bruce. Have a great day and drive safe. You too. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Plate Story Podcast. If you would like to nominate the owner of a license plate, including you, visit platestory.com. That's P-L number eight story.com and give us the details. I'm Trista Polo from IWokeUpAwesome.com wishing you well on the road to your next adventure. Bye-bye now.